Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 595 for the 21st of Tamas in a regular year. So we've been talking in the past few episodes about addiction. And I've been kind of like being very loose about this term addiction and really using it in a very broad sense to really encompass at the end of the day, all of humanity. I want to make clear that I'm not in any way uh, serving to, I don't want to minimize true addiction, somebody who's really struggling with addiction in a a really clinical kind of sense. I don't want to minimize that and say that that is exactly the same thing that we're talking about. But I think as I've been mentioning, I think that in looking at addiction, I think we can, in a more classical sense, I think we can kind of see it as a caricature of something that we all struggle with as being a part of humanity, namely this constant uh, fight between instant gratification and higher purpose doing something that is pleasurable in the moment versus doing something that's more in line with our true self, with our, with, with our true source, which ultimately we've been learning about is the idea of God. And that's really what the subject of this entire epistle is all about, this Igeris HaTshuva that we've been studying, which is all about Shuva, all about returning to our source. How do we return to our source? How do we return when we've gone astray from who we really are, whether this is in a full-fledged, like, addictive sense, like an addict, a a real addict is somebody who's really, the addiction has become so powerful over them that they are really so out of sync with who they really are, or on a smaller scale, just in maybe like here and there, maybe doing something that's slightly out of line with how they really should be behaving, slightly out of line with the will ultimately of of their creator, which is God. So we talked about yesterday how to heal from this, how to kind of wake up from this addictive state. And we said that there are actually two main components involved in this. The first component is the idea of having compassion for oneself and arousing compassion on high by really feeling this sense of compassion for our source, for our godly soul, for the part of God, which we have brought down into exile with us when we've done these transgressions. What what this really ultimately means is recognizing the facts like that that we're not that this this uh, activity that we've been doing, this transgressive activity that we've been doing, this addiction as I've been calling it, is not really who we really are. We may have come to identify with it. We may have come to the point where we really do feel like this is who we really are, but when we come to this realization that that's not who we really are, then we really feel compassion for ourselves for who we really are and for the fact that we've drawn this true self, this true godly self into the depths with us. Because ultimately, just kind of like in a deeper sense, nothing 
can have any kind of power. We can't do anything without our godly self, without our godly source, because ultimately God is in power in everything. God is the source of vitality for everything in the world, whether uh, he wants to be or whether he doesn't want to be. So even if you think about like a really low place, a place of criminal activity, a place of murder, a place of violence, a place of debauchery, all of that kind of stuff, as hard as it is for us to imagine, all of these things cannot, don't have any power of their own. So the vivifying force behind them all is God. God is vivifying everything in the world. So just think about the, the pain that God is in when he is being forced, so to speak, to vivify these behaviors, to vivify us when we are engaged in these things that are so out of line with what he wants us to do. That hopefully will bring us to a sense of having like this true sense of compassion and like really feeling this like like almost pity like for this for our poor godly soul that has to go through this the second element that we discussed that um, in addition to having compassion that's involved in this in this uh, way of return in this process of chuva is subjugation is sublimation of the evil within us so now that we've called it out now that we've diagnosed it so to speak for what it is and we recognize oh wow this this thing that I've been doing is really out of line with who I really am it's really out of line of with my source with what God wants of me then the next step is to stop doing it by really by by removing ourselves from it by by subjugating that evil within us and we spoke about yesterday that the way that we do this the, the way that we subjugate the way that we break this evil force within us is through humbling our spirit and through a broken heart so and we talked about that perhaps this is what people talk about when they say that they've hit rock bottom when we hear again about addiction we hear people hitting this place of rock bottom whether it's from external factors because different things happen to them in their life that they reach this point of rock bottom where it's like they really they feel like they can't go any lower or perhaps it's internally generated that perhaps a person can internally generate a sense of rock bottom within themselves where they feel like okay this is it I got to change my life I got to do something about it and that ultimately can be thought of as being a, a broken heart so now the ultra but now is going what the subject is today is how do we do this how do we reach rock bottom, so to speak? How do we reach a point of of breaking our heart? If we know that this is what we need to do, let's say we recognize the fact that, yes, okay, I'm not where I need to be in life. I'm not in line with my source, or maybe I am generally in line with my source, but here and there I've done things that are not totally in line with my source, in line with God. How do I return? How do I return to my source? How do I cultivate that broken heart that's so necessary for this process? So that's what today's portion is going to be all about, is about how to cultivate this broken heart. So we don't often think of a broken heart as something that we want when we hear about people being heartbroken from love or whatever it is. But in this sense, in this case, we actually do. We want, that's what we're striving for, is how to break our heart, how to become heartbroken, how to cultivate this sense of humility. And that's what we're going to learn. And in short, the basic answer to this, and we'll see in a moment how the altar explains this in his own words, but the basic answer is that we need to wake up. We need to come face to face with who we are. We need to become sober, so to speak. We need to become brutally honest with our true reality. We need to do an accounting of ourselves, of our souls. Just like a person who is uh, struggling financially, let's say somebody runs a business and things they start to realize that certain things in the business are not running 
as they should, then what does the person need to do? They need to sit down, take a day, and speak with their accountants or go through their bank accounts and and check and see what's going on. As painful as that process might be, because they might find out like, oh, wow, they're in a ton of debt. They owe so many people. They're paying way too much on different things. All kinds of things might seem really out of order, but that's the first step to healing is to really come face to face with yourself to really have that sense of sobriety. So let's get straight into the text and see how the altar of explains this because it's, it's pretty straightforward for today. Um, and so we are still for context. We're in Igeris Hachuva in the middle of chapter seven. So the altar of begins and he asks this very question, which I posed in the introduction. How do we come to a broken heart? How is the heart to be broken and humbled? And so the altar of says that some people might think that it can be done through fasts and mortifications like that. That's sort of like the common idea. But he says this actually only accomplishes a little bit. Like a person can fast all they want. They can like beat themselves like woe is me. Like we spoke about in, the, in a different episode, the white fragility movement that they go around berating themselves, self-flagellation. He says this, this only does this a little bit. It only humbles a person a little bit. Um, and also in these generations that we have, we don't have the same... Uh, the same strength to fast so much like in the time of David HaMelech of David our king as uh, as the uh, as the sages said it taught and this is from Tehillim chapter 109 verse 22 where it says which literally means my heart is vacant within me because I destroyed it through fasting So this is an allusion to the fact that, yes, fasting can break a person's heart. There is an element of fasting that can cause a person to break, to come to a broken heart. But the altar is saying this only does it to a minor degree. Mm -hmm. And it also is not something that's practical nowadays, because as discussed, we don't have that strength that previous generations had to fast so much to get to a point that it will really make a difference. So the altar says, so then what do we do? How can we come to this sense of having a really humble heart and humble our heart to the point that it become broken and crushed and so that we can really dispel that spirit of impurity and the sitra ahra, the other side, the side that, that conceals God. So the way we do this is that we become a ma'are de khushbana, it's called in Aramaic, which means a master of accounting through really deepening our mind to really use our mind and our understanding for a for a certain period of time every day or night before tikkun chatzot so meaning we sh- every person should set aside a certain period of time every day or night before tikkun chatzot to really meditate upon Everything that a person, that, that what the, their transgressions affected, the effect of their transgressions, and how their transgressions really caused this exile of the Shekhinah, as we explained above. So, yeah, so again, so it's like we sometimes, we, we don't realize, we think that um, that we're living on an island. We think of this point, this, this idea, a person thinks that like what they do in the privacy of their own room, the privacy of their own home, or just in a little cor- their own little corner of the world, they think it's not really they can do whatever they want and it's not really what harm is it doing to anybody else and what we've already learned is no it's actually doing great harm because when we're doing something that's out of line with our true self and out of line with god who is our source we're actually drawing our true self our divine self down into the gutter with us we're drawing god into the gutter with us and we're causing to to uproot our godly soul and our and our spirit from the vi- from the source of life, from the 
the the vitality of vitality of God. Uh, blessed be He, and we're bringing Him down into a place of impurity and into death, which is the chambers of the Sitra Achara. And it's becoming, and and we're making our soul become a vehicle for these things to be to receive um, influence and to receive vitality to to their uh, body, as we explained above. So, if you recall, in a in one of the previous episodes, not too long ago, we talked about this idea that we really have the choice as to where we want to receive our nourishment from, where we want to receive our vitality from. So we can choose we can live our lives in line with our creator in line with our source in which case we're going to receive our nourishment in a more divi- in a more direct way directly from our creator or we can choose to live in ways that are not in line with our creator that are not in line with our source in which case we'll still receive nourishment but it's not going to be in the most direct way we're going to be receiving it in this kind of like backhanded manner this behind the scenes manner through certain concealments. We liken this to, let's say, the employees at a, at a, at a big company that rather than being invited into the big uh, dining hall with all the executives and that kind of thing, they're just going to be getting the scraps. They're going to be eating with like the janitors and the maids and the interns and things like that. So would you rather eat with the CEOs or would you rather eat with the interns? So that's, that's kind of the idea. And then the Altarabbas says that this explains the, the, uh, term that we find in the Gemara in Brachos, page 18b, where it says, that the evil, picket, the wicked people during their life are called dead. Why are they called dead? Because their life is coming from the place of death and impurity. So anything that conceals God is death because it's considered like the place of death because God is the source of life. So anything that conceals God is the opposite of life. So it's going to be death and impurity. And this is why we can understand that wicked people are really called dead, even if they're alive. And now in brackets, the altar brings another citation to support this whole idea. This one is from Tehillim, chapter 115, verse 17, where it says, which means uh, the dead will not praise God. And the altar says that this is not an example of making fun of impoverished people. So we know there's this principle that like we're not supposed to make fun of, of dead people. If somebody passes away, you're not supposed to talk about them and like make fun of them and laugh at them. Like that's something that they, they can't defend themselves, right? So it's, it's a really mean thing to do. So the altar is explaining this here. So what does it mean when we say that uh, the dead people will not praise God? Like it sounds like we're making fun of them. He says, we're not talking about actually physically dead people, but we're actually talking about wicked people who in their lifetime are called dead. And the, um, and, and why are they, why, why do we call them dead? Because they are confused with foreign thoughts when they are still in their wickedness and they don't want to do tshuva as is known. So this is, uh, so this is the end of the section. So just to sum it up. Again, the basic idea is that if we want to heal, if we want to heal from our addiction, if we want to heal, if we want to return to God, return to our source, come back to who we truly are, to really do tshuva, the best way to do this is through coming to a, a place of humility. We, we spoke also about having compassion, but now we're focusing on this idea of, of humbling ourselves, of breaking our hearts, and this is going to cause the breaking of the, the evil force within us, breaking the Sitra And today we talked about how to do that. And how do we do it? Basically, is through looking at ourselves face-to-face in an honest and unadulterated manner, becoming a master of accounts over our own souls, becoming aware, becoming sober, and recognizing what we really did. 
So really, I think we're all guilty of this to a certain extent that when we're involved in doing something that we shouldn't do, we kind of forget, we kind of don't recognize the ramifications of our actions. It's that instant gratification thing. So this is why, again, there's this idea that anytime a person is involved in doing a sin, it's only because a spirit of folly enters into them because it really is a moment of insanity where a person, why would a person do something that would be so harmful to their soul, so harmful to their source? It's really because they're not thinking straight. They're in this state state of insanity. So now when we want to do tshuva, we want to return to God, we have to become seen. We have to become sober. We have to come to a recognition of what our actions are, what we did. I think we want to bring this back to AA, you know, and, and addiction and all of that. I would say that this is maybe the point of really recognizing, I don't remember where in the 12 steps this is, but one of those steps somewhere is the recognition of the harm that you did, not only to yourself, but to other people. To recognize that your your addiction wasn't just something that you did that was a mistake on your part, but it actually harmed people. And it actually, in this case, we're talking about that it actually harmed God. We brought God down into the schmutz with us. We brought our godly soul down into the schmutz with us. So that's it for today. So hopefully that wasn't too depressing, but hopefully it will be kind of more like sobering. If anything, that's that's the basic idea. And, um, and we will continue along these lines tomorrow and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.